0: Hey, I want to introduce you to one of my granddaughters. This is Brooke Taylor Whitworth. Hi. And she's going to be uh, part of uh, this time together. And uh, I'm going to pray. She's going to pray with me. We're going to agree for God's blessing over this time in the Word. And then she's going to step off for a few minutes. Uh, she said she didn't want to look bored when I was teaching. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to teach in a way I hope that all the children and young people can engage. We're going to have an activation time after communion. If you don't have uh, things for communion, maybe somebody can go grab them. We're going to finish with communion. Brenda, or Brooke and I are going to lead you in communion, and, uh, and, and then we're going to do a couple other things. So we bless you. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that we get to be in your word. Oh God, thank you for the blueprint to heaven. Your ways become our ways. When we assimilate the ways of your word, your truth, into our lives, we become free. The word sets us free. The truth sets us free. And we become who you create us to be as we let the word transform us from the inside out. So we thank you for the privilege. I pray that everybody is able to receive today what you want them to receive. Give us ears to hear what you're saying in this hour. In Jesus' powerful name. And Brooke Taylor said? Amen. Amen. Okay, you can go ahead and step out for a few minutes and, and uh, not look bored. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting dynamic to sit here while somebody else talks. Okay. Um, what I want to talk to you about, we're going to kind of start talking out of this title, in kind of a series, but really talking about what I believe the Lord is saying to the church right now, that we would be houses of Acts. Houses of Acts, out of Acts. So if you've are in your, got your Bible, why don't you turn uh, to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start there. But the Lord is calling us back to the early church model. We were never supposed to leave it, but the Lord is calling it back to this model that was demonstrated to us in Acts and throughout the Acts. If you're not aware, the book of Acts is actually simplified, what it really means is the acts of the apostles. And so there is a season where the church was like multiplying. Many people were getting saved. The power of the Holy Spirit was upon the church. There was miracles, signs, and wonders It and is multiplication. The church was one heart, one mind, and a beautiful season. And we've had other seasons like that through history. But the Lord is teaching us right now, since we can't gather... In a big gathering, not that I think that's still going to be part of our future expression. In this season, he's saying, I'm emphasizing what happens in the homes. I'm emphasizing what happens in the houses. The Lord at one point says he comes into the temple and they're not treating the temple and the people with respect. They're exploiting the people and he cleans out the temple and then he makes this declaration. My house will be called a house of prayer. And I believe this is huge of what God is doing in the in the houses all across America, actually all across the planet, what he's wanting to make these houses are places of prayer, places of intercession, places of fiery fellowship. He's actually wanting to open our eyes up that Christianity is not something you do on Sundays. It's 24/7, right? You don't go to church. We don't go to church. We are the church 24 7. And I love the promise of the Lord because this, this season's like this, like we got to grab the promises of God and live from these promises. I love this promise. Jesus told Peter and the disciples, He says, I will build my church, Ecclesia, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. The church will overcome the gates of Hades because Jesus is building. His church. And right now, he's building his church in your house. That's you. That's your family. You are the ecclesia. Um, I'm not going to dive into this too far, but I just want to remind you, when he took the term ecclesia, which we translate church, he actually was using a term that we used in that culture to talk about the elders of the city gathering at the city gates, the entrance and exit place, and making decisions about what comes into our city and what stays out of our city. The ecclesia, the church, was the governing people. Here's what I want you to understand, is that you and I and your family unit have been invited into governing from heaven's perspective his grace, his power, into earth circumstances. It's an awesome privilege, an amazing, humbling, joint, co effort that God is calling us into right now. And I believe he's like heightening and teaching. And I'm going to teach you today a little bit about, about prayer. But I want to look at Acts chapter 42, because here's the model of the early church. 3,000 people get saved, verse 42, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's actually what we're doing right now, and to fellowship, that means dialoguing about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about what God is doing, having fellowship, joint fellowship with one another, breaking of the bread, which we're going to do here at the end, and to prayer. Last week, I know, I apologize for the technical difficulties we had, I don't know if you ever went back and able to watch that, but Jason and I talked about a prayer movement Out of Acts chapter 4, which is like two years later after Pentecost. By the way, we're only 20 some days away from the Sunday that we celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's another presence and power of God that he wants to unleash on the church in this hour. And I'm I'm leaning into that. Acts chapter 4, we have that happen where the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter raises this lame man, right? They get in trouble from the authorities. They get beaten, and they'd be threatened. Don't preach in this name anymore. And they go, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't obey you and not God. And, and what do they do? They go back, and they call a prayer meeting. And uh, all the believers and disciples come together, and they, and they pray a prayer that ushers in another presence and power of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 29. And they pray this prayer. I love this. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. Say, everybody in your room, say all confidence. Everybody say all confidence. And just to cue you, I'm going to show this video in just a minute. While you extend your hand to heal... And signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The name of your holy servant, Jesus. We're going to talk about the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered uh, together was shaken. Can you imagine praying and feeling an earthquake? And as God was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The fruit of being with God is boldness. The fruit of knowing God is confidence. The expression of the Holy Spirit upon us is no fear of man. And I believe this is the decade of the beginning of the mouth, according to the Hebrew year, 5780. The mouth of God's people are going to be loosed. And we're declaring the gospel of Jesus I want you to watch this little girl and her boldness, if you would. Hey, everyone! I'm glad we're back today. I want. Like, I love Jesus. I just love you, and I want to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Come on! <laughs> I've watched that. I don't know, probably five, six times. Every time I go, oh, Jesus, release that through the whole church. Release that boldness, that confidence, that joy, that love. So, so good. Here's the deal, you guys. This this is setting the church up all across the planet right now to become the witnesses that God's called us to be. Yes, he wants to transform nations, and he wants to save souls, but he also wants the church to create a culture in their homes where children are raised with confidence and boldness and clearly understand the gospel and understand their divine purpose, for being on the earth, just like this little girl. He's creating families. He's creating households where people raise their children and that are bent towards righteousness and bent for declaring the good news and creating a culture in the house. Actually, it's families that transform cities, that transform nations. And that's what he's wanting to do in your family, your household right now, parents right now. He's releasing courage to you. I want to say this real quickly, because I'm going to be talking about prayer, and prayer always invokes some kind of like, oh, I know I need to pray more. That's not the heart of God. That's not my heart. We don't celebrate perfection. As families, we celebrate progress. And all we need to do is start taking little steps to obey Jesus in the simple things. And one of the simple things that I want to talk about is prayer. I want to give you three principles that will actually, I believe, bring new life, new energy, new hope into your prayer life. And the first one is, pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You know, this isn't like a a magic tag that we put on the end of something that we want from God that all of a sudden makes it work. This is actually a position of faith and confidence. I was reading through the Gospel of John, chapter 16, recently, and And Jesus turned to his disciples. It's the night that he's going to be betrayed. And he turns to his disciples and he says, "Ask, truly, truly, I say to you, ask anything in my name and the Father in heaven will give it to you. And then he says, until now, this is really crazy. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I want you to get a hold of something here. First, he wants us to be filled with joy. This is like so encouraging to me that the God of creation, the Father who art in heaven, the one who created you, his desire is that you are filled with joy. And one of the vessels of joy or the avenues of joy is answered prayer. Answered prayer. I had a father call me yesterday and uh, he wanted me to pray pray with him over something But then he said, I got to share some good news with you. I'm so happy about this. He said, "Um, we had a couple come into our home and the woman had a deaf ear because of an injury, could not hear out of one of her ears. And my teenage daughter went over and prayed for her, laid hands on her and prayed for her and her hearing came back. And he said, it was so cool. He was filled with joy. I imagine his daughter was filled with joy because God of heaven wants to partner with believers on the earth to bring his world into this world. So I just want to talk about what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name for just a moment. You see, Jesus was going to go to the cross, suffer on our behalf, go to the cross and die, be crucified, and raise on the third day. He says until now, he's initiating a three-day work that's going to open up the authority for the disciples to pray in his name, knowing, here's the deal, knowing that Jesus has conquered the powers of darkness, knowing that Jesus defeated the devil on the cross. In Colossians chapter 2, I want to read this to you 13, latter part 13 through 15. It says, He made you alive, that's you if you believe in Jesus, He made you alive with him. Having forgiven all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. That means the accuser no longer has authority to point his finger at us. Jesus, our public defender, actually defended. He's our advocate. He says, nope, not them. I paid the price for their sins. And he's taken them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. But look at this part. Verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he embarrassed them. He embarrassed the demonic realm. He embarrassed the devil. Public display of them having triumphed over them through Christ. When you pray in Jesus' name, you stand in his victory, and you declare his heart, his will into the circumstances of life. He's already won the war. We get to walk in it in prayer in declaration, in Jesus' name. He's the King of kings. We're saying that, the Lord of lords. So we pray from a place of victory, not for victory, but from victory. The second thing I want to mention to you is the power of agreement. Look at Matthew 18. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. This is what God is doing. He's saying, I'm trying to help you get a hold of the idea of church. You don't have to go to church. You are the church where two or three come together and come into agreement. Like I'm hearing that answer. And there's some mystery to this. I'm not fully understanding why exactly that all works that way. He meets with the one. He hears the prayer of the one. But there's something about two coming together, or three, or four, or maybe a room full, saying, yes, God, yes, God, we agree, that opens up new avenues of the power of God. I've been thinking, asking this question lately. Why is prayer so hard for so many people? Why is it so difficult of homes often to really actually move in victorious, faithful, fiery prayer times. And one of the things, honestly, that I, I believe is true is we got pride issues. Our pride becomes an obstacle because we're more concerned about what people around us think about our prayers than really grabbing a hold of the burdens of our Father and decreeing a thing. I think that's why he says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, will humble themselves. You see, God is attracted to humility, but he actually is opposed to the the proud. Humility says, I'm more concerned about your world invading my world than I am about anybody in the room caring about what it sounds like. I remember when Brenda and I first started praying together and she'd been a Christian for many, many years and, and I was a new Christian and I was, I was pretty timid about how I pray, because I didn't know if I would measure up and of course over time with her encouragement and, and God's fire, I didn't care anymore what she thought. You see, fear of man is pride. And one of the reasons that we don't enter into prayer in a group is because we're afraid of what people may think of us. That's one of the reasons. I think unbelief is another reason. We actually talked about that last week. So right now, I just cancel unbelief. You've been called to shape history through your intercessions and prayer as a family. Right now, you are called once. I cancel unbelief. You've been released in authority. Things are changing because of how you pray. And so... Humility, we humble our hearts. And here's the deal. In America, we've gone through a season of of comfort. We've gone through a season of, of prosperity. Somehow, I think, in our naivety, we feel like we earned it. Or maybe we deserved it. Maybe we unconsciously took on an entitlement attitude. And we no longer realize we need God. We need God. We need God every day. There's nothing that we have that didn't first come from him. There's, life itself is from him. And humility says, God, I can't do life without you. I've got to have you. I've got to have your strength. You know, last night, there was a car accident with Carla and, and Marissa Chud. They're okay. Um, and by the grace of God, they weren't hurt. Or they seriously were praying that the next day doesn't show some hurt. But you know, every day is in the hand of God. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we need to realize that. And actually, it's during this season that the Lord has shown the church across the planet, we need God. And we need to act like we need it. How do we act like we need God? We pray. We pray. Yesterday, Friday morning, I was in a prayer meeting. um, The four and a half hour prayer meeting. Actually, I watched it afterwards. I didn't know it was going. Uh, I probably wouldn't have joined it when it began. It was 4 a.m. my time. Anyway, so I got on afterwards, and it was a, a prayer meeting across the planet. 145 nations participated in this prayer meeting. Imagine that. 145 nations. And these are Christians. And you guys, they're not praying for a comfortable life. I was in that prayer. I prayed with them. I listened to their prayers. They're praying for revival. Awakening for the boldness of the church to arise. They're praying for the Holy Spirit to move on the church. They're praying that we would be united. And it's amazing—it's amazing when you're in this prayer meeting and 145 nations across the globe, and we're praying for more unity. There were priests, there were pastors, there were prayer leaders, there were children, there were teachers, people of all ethnic groups. Come in agreement that our Father, we're family who art in heaven. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth. as It's a time for us to cry out to God. We need him. With the economic situation in front of us, we have no idea what's ahead of us. We need God, and we need to invite him into our economic situations. We need to ask God for miraculous power of heaven to invade. He has plans for us, and it's not calamity. But to give us a future and a hope. Everybody say future and a hope. So we pray in Jesus' name and we pray with others because there's power in agreement. And the third thing and the last thing, I want to preempt it with this. As a son, I've always wanted to please my dad. Of course, he's not as strong now that that I'm a grandfather myself. Um, but I want to please Dad, and we want to please our Heavenly Father. And so one of the questions that we, we have in our hearts is, Dad, what pleases you? Dad, Abba, Dad, what pleases you? I want you to see what, one of the things that pleases God. Show you a scripture, Proverbs 15, 8. The prayer of the upright is his delight. What does God delight in? The prayers of the upright. He delights in the prayers of the upright. What makes him happy? You make him happy, but you make him happy, especially when you pray. You talk to him. You invite him into the circumstances of earth. Look at verse 29 of Proverbs 15. The Lord is far away from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Does that mean that you have to be totally righteous to be able to pray to God? Yes, it does. But can we get there by our good works? No, we've all sinned, fall short. We all fall short. Some days we're getting closer to being fully righteous in our activities. Other days we have a bad hair day. Does that mean we don't get to go into the throne room and pray with God? No. Actually, he cleans us up in the prayer room. Actually, he encourages us there. He strengthens us there. We don't get cleaned up unless we go to the prayer room and abide with him. And um, 2 Corinthians five twenty one says this. It says, and he made him Jesus who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Actually, a gift was given. When you believed in Jesus Christ, you received his perfect life. You're credited with his righteousness. So you have access to come confidently. Uh, Hebrews 4 says this, come confidently into the throne of grace, you don't have to like, oh, I had a bad hair day. I got to like, weasel my way in or beg my way. No, you're in the righteousness of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you have that gift. In fact, the, the Bible says you've been robed in the robes of righteousness. Brooke, why don't you come back here? And we're just going to use her as, as an example. Why don't you grab that robe? And I don't know if the cameras are going to get this, but we're going to try. But Brooke accepted Christ when she was about seven years old. With your mom? Was it with your mom? Yes. Okay. And when you accepted Christ, he gave you the gift of his righteousness. And, and, and it's Isaiah chapter 9, actually. It's Isaiah chapter 9. It says, he gave me the garments of salvation and he robed me. In his righteousness, the robes of righteousness, which makes us pure in the sight of God. You can go ahead and sit down. And so we're going to take communion, take communion with us because in Jesus, we are made right with God. And we're going to declare the work of salvation, the work of salvation, because this is a season where he's inviting people to know him. And to love him. And it was by his stripes that we were healed. Can you take that? Little bite? Little tiny bite. Little tiny. It's not gluten free, so she has to take a little tiny bite. (laughs) Little tiny bite. Um, And so Jesus said, remember me. He says, I want you to remember me. Remember that my body was broken, that you may be made whole. And so we're agreeing that we have been made whole in Jesus and we're declaring wholeness over you, healing in any way that you need it, and over the nation, salvation, people being saved today. So Father, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank that you died on our behalf. You're the sacrificial lamb that takes away my sins, Brooke's sins, and everybody who believes in you sins. And so we receive and remember together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you want to give thanks for the blood that was spilled on our behalf? Just, just, say, just thank him for the blood that was spilled. Here's one of the things I told her last night. I said, Brooke, this is not, you don't have to be perfect. Just be yourself and be real. So you thank you Jesus died and spilled his blood for you? Yeah. Okay, so just thank him. Dear God, thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood. You purchased us to make you your children. These lives are no longer our own. They're yours. We surrender our lives to you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit has made our bodies your temple. Thank you that we are kings and queens. In Jesus, we're your royal priesthood. And we just thank you that your blood purchased us and redeemed us from all of our sin. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Okay, so last night, Brooke and I worked on some declarations. Are they right there? You want to grab them? And this is the application, activations I'd like you to do in your own homes, is that as you guys create your declarations, what is God's heart? And create declarations that, like, that resonates within you. And so Brooke and I, actually Brooke, I just helped her, but she's the one that came up with these declarations. Here's the thing, you guys, I want you to get a hold of this. She stands in the righteousness of Christ. She is a princess in the royal army of God. She, is declared, she has just as much authority as I do. And when she declares the matter... She attaches it to the Father of the Father through the name of Jesus. And I'm here to say amen, to agree with her. And heaven's government is going to happen because of her declarations. All right, go ahead. I pray and declare that the coronavirus must die in Jesus' name. I pray and declare that all the children who have suffered abuse will be healed by the love of Jesus. Okay, stop there a minute. You're going so fast. Slow down because everybody can't hear you. I want you, first one was she declares that the coronavirus must die. Anybody out there say amen? amen? Amen. Okay, read the second one a little bit slower and with authority. Okay, I pray and declare that all the children who have suffered abuse will be healed by the love of Jesus in Jesus' name. And she will be healed by the love of Jesus in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. All, everybody watching, everybody in the room says amen. All right, what's the third one? I pray and declare that the marriages would be healed and families made whole in Jesus' name. Yeah, this was a big thing last night. She says, "I don't want no more divorce." I say, "Okay, so let's pray, declare over marriages. Marriages be healed. Come on, families made whole. Come on, Lord. We say, Amen, Amen. Amen. Way to go, Mighty Warrior. Give me five. Come on, we can go back into worship and just declare some things. So go ahead. So don't let your heart be troubled, hold your head up high. Take your hold on, be strong, remember where your help comes from. Such a good song. Thank you, Tanner team. I love that song. Hey, I just want to remind you this thing. You're alive in this hour. Because God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He has commissioned you in this hour. He ha- you have everything you need. To represent the Lord Jesus. And he believes in you. And he trusts you. With his name. With his spirit. And the- your assignment and my assignment. This is our time. I declare it over you. This is your time. To flourish thrive and to overcome the powers of darkness and tell the devil submit to the cross the power of the blood and jesus you reign in the valley alaska america and in my home in jesus name we bless you with faith today again god bless you all